Welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. Brought to you by Elite Consulting Partners, it's the only podcast offering unfiltered guidance and direct advice for all things concerning financial advisors, RIAs, and the practitioners in the wealth management business. Learn more and subscribe today at EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcast. And now, here's your host, Frank LaRosa. Hey, everybody. This is Frank LaRosa. Welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. As always, I am joined by my trusted compadre and right-hand man, Dale Dempsey. How's it going out there, Good. folks? You notice I said you're not a guest this week, so... I'm a compadre? I'm keeping you. I'm keeping you around I'm a compadre. A yeah. Okay. You're like fancy pants today. I do have my fancy pants on. For anybody who can't see on YouTube, I'm wearing red velvet flowered pants and yeah, they're fancy. Not quite. But not you, quite, yeah. yeah. I'm excited. I'm headed down to Florida. going to go meet with, which is why I have my Arte jacket on. I'm going to go do a meeting on Saturday with about 25 of my syndicate members. So I'm really excited about that. So that's why if anyone's asking why I'm not wearing a jacket or anything like that, I am wearing a jacket. It's just an Arte jacket. It's a nice jacket too, by the way. It is. I love it. It's perfect. It was a gift from Andy Frisella and Emily Frisella and Ed Milet. So I really appreciate it. If you guys are watching, thanks a lot. I wear it all the time. But anyway, we wanted to get out a podcast and a conversation about something that's been on my mind. And that is sort of like under the category of be careful what you wish for. And it has to do with what I view as sort of the coming storm with all this private equity money coming into the market. What I mean by coming into the market, private equity money, looking for a new home with an RIA trying to scale up or a broker dealer trying to scale up and they're going after, there's this private equity money being thrown around and they look at it as cheap money or whatever. But I think at the end of the day, it could actually be really expensive money if you look at the totality of what that brings to the company. And this is coming up because I'm just starting to hear, you know, as we, we have the benefit of talking to people all over the country every single day. And having been in the business for a long time, you start to, when you hear something, okay, it comes across, huh, that's, that's an interesting piece of information. I'm going to put that in my pocket and I'm going to hold on to that for later. Then you hear another piece of information, another piece of information. And all of a sudden, you start to see some similarities and commonalities on, I'll just call it frustrations that come through on phone calls changing direction, changing comp, changing whatever changes, pressure. And I think, and we're not going to use names in this episode. I don't really want to drop names. I think it's a, just a general observation I'm trying to make because I want people that are listening to this, especially for those that have not gone down the private equity road yet, to be really careful about going down that road. I categorize it into Really, it's like it's two, at least today, it's two groups. There's the legacy private equity folks. These are private equity firms who have been doing this for a long time. There is the maybe call it either younger former investment banker types and or just younger firms in general, newer to the business. And you see a lot of these private equity firms flooding the market. Of these two groups, the older legacy ones are in it for probably different reasons. The newer ones, and this is what I've heard and what I've seen, is this is more of a transaction and not a long-term hold. 
opportunity for a broad market and a lot of broker dealers and RAs fall into that category, unfortunately. Well, right. I think that we're not going to use names of firms that are taking on private equity, nor will we use names of various private equity firms. But candidly, where I'm really coming from with this whole thing is that where in 2020, you can say arguably sort of the, the market crash of 08 and 09, you sort of bottomed down in, let's call it 2010 to be conservative, okay? So it's been 10 years with an up market. I would say there's a large swath of private equity firms, private equity people that are running around that just got out of there. They finished their MBAs five, six, seven, eight years ago, right? They haven't seen a bear market yet, a down market. They haven't seen a situation where what we've been seeing the last couple of weeks is not quite the same. It drops a thousand points, comes back. I'm talking about the slow bleed kind of market where it's maybe in this market as a percentage, let's call it five, 600 points a day consistently for weeks and months, where all of a sudden the margins you thought you were getting on your investment aren't as easy to get anymore. And it takes me back to really like the 2000, 2001 market where everybody and their brother thought they were awesome stock pickers because the market makes everyone, an up market makes everybody look like a genius. And I think that there's a huge group of, private equity investors that are younger in nature that don't understand what it's going to be like when the market turns. And where I'm seeing this, the concern is that they're throwing money at these firms, RIAs, broker dealers, because they want to invest money. They see this industry as an easy opportunity to make money, right? But the reality is the margins are thin. The margins are thin when the practices and the businesses are growing. What's going to happen when the market turns. And we're starting to see some of that where some of these firms aren't growing as fast as they used to grow right when the private equity firms got in. And it's almost like you can feel the pressure that the private equity firms have because the rate of return on their investment isn't coming the way they wanted it to come. So they're sort of their date, their exit strategy date, and they can say all they want about not having one. But I think a lot of them do. Maybe to your point, the private equity investors that have been around a long time, which is part of what you're saying is, I think that they're smart enough to know that they have a longer hold period, right? They know that they have to have more patience. It's the younger firms and the firms that are new coming into this financial service market that I'm most worried about. Because I can feel it when I talk to firms that are backed by private equity companies in this kind of market, I can feel the pressure that's being put on them by the private equity investors. Weekly pipeline meetings, quarterly, end of the month performance reviews, how many they're giving these firms money to recruit and they're doing a good job recruiting. But what a lot of these young private equity investment firms and investors don't understand is you give somebody $500 million to go recruit and they hire a $2 million advisor, you don't make $2 million on that advisor like the day you hire them. First of all, you don't even, it takes you forever to make $2 million on them, but let alone it takes you a whole year for that advisor to even realize the $2 million in revenue that you're making four or five points on. So like when I was a branch manager, people didn't realize back in, call it the early 2000s, if we hired a recruit from another firm and we gave them a pretty good deal, and when we were at Smith Barney, we were like the low deal on the street. And even with that, it took us six or seven years to even break even on a recruit. And so I'm concerned. And you had better margins back then. We had probably. better margins, right? Because yeah. we weren't 
our internal rate of return on a deal was like 11%. We had to be positive 11% each year on that guy's revenue or gal's revenue. Pretty good margin. But yeah. with the money that you put out, it yeah. still took you that long to break even on the whole deal. And so I'm just concerned that, and I see it, that as the market starts to get a little bit choppier, that firms are, private equity firms don't understand, a lot of them don't understand the business. They don't understand what a financial advisor does, how their business can be affected by a market downturn or even just a choppy market. Forget about a market downturn, just a choppy market. Client uncertainty, clients not knowing what to do. All of a sudden, an advisor needs to put a lot more money back into cash. So what does that do to their performance? What does that do to their rate of return? What happens when they invest in a company where the advisor doesn't grow by 20%? They're not going to understand how to handle that. And then they're putting pressure on senior management. That expression, shit rolls downhill. So they're putting pressure on senior management because they're not hitting their quarterly numbers, right? which are maybe unrealistic. And the senior management is going to then start putting pressure on their folks to perform and just squeeze a little bit harder, which is then going to turn into changing in comp plans, increasing fees, like the same shit that the wirehouses have gone through over the years because they're trying to squeeze out every little piece of margin they can. Yeah, and with a younger private equity firm or younger private equity investors, what can they bring besides capital is what you have to be thinking about as a firm, as an advisor. If it's just going to be pressure on your management, that's probably not going to help. If it's vision, if they're bringing something else, knowledge, some efficiencies, something, that'll probably work out in the long run. And they'll be smart enough to know that a choppy market isn't going to destroy this business completely. You have to, and I think this is an important conversation because, look, if you're already in bed with a private equity firm, there's nothing you can do. Well, hold on. Yeah, there's nothing you maybe today... It's on a well, tangent. You can, grow, you can so, grow out of it like LPL did. That's what I wanted to ask. Right. You can grow out of it and be successful at it. I think it's a different market today. I think that we are on the, I'm not going to say that I'm not making market predictions here, but I think that we are, we have less road ahead of us in terms of market growth than we have behind us. Right. I think that there's a shorter runway right now. Okay. I don't think we're going to see another 10 years of an up market. In between now and 10 years, the market's going to go down substantially for a period of time. And I think that's when, these private equity firms are going to be shocked that they're not making all this money on their investments, right? But the really the warning we're trying to heed is for if you are a large practice at a wirehouse or you're a large, big OSJ at an independent firm, and you're thinking about, I'm going to go start my own company. There's so much private equity money around, I'm going to go get private equity, and I'll get a backer, and I'll get this big check, and I'll be able to do all this great stuff, and you'll be able to buy your own new house and you'll be able to buy all the stuff and you'll be partnered with a private equity firm. And all big deal. They only own 20% of the firm. What's the big deal? I still have control. It's a disaster. And so what I'm trying to warn everybody about is be careful what you wish for. Be careful about going down that road. On a personal note, I had a private equity firm, private equity investor really, come knocking on our door. He wanted to he understands this was an interesting, this is a lucrative business to be in if it's done the right way. And to your point, I asked him, well, what are you bringing to the table? Aside from money, what are you bringing to the table? Like, how are you going to help me grow my business any faster with your knowledge and experience? Yeah, can I grow the business faster if I had influx of cash? Probably, definitely, no doubt. But at what cost? The guy doesn't know the business, he knows finance, 
financial services, but he doesn't know this side of the business. So he has no value added. He doesn't have contacts. He doesn't have any of that stuff. And so it would have been given up 20% or 30% of the business when I didn't need to versus having 100% ownership and just growing a little slower and not having to worry about somebody wanting to know what does my pipeline look like and having quarterly meetings and being put in pressure on it. Or if we don't hit our numbers, this is the other thing that I hear. If you don't hit your certain target numbers, a private equity firm takes a larger piece of your firm. They don't have any downside. They're clipping a coupon of a certain percentage. And if you don't hit your numbers, they take a bigger percentage of ownership of the company. So they almost don't want you to perform. Well, I think they want you to... I think they what they're trying to, to what they're money. trying to what they're trying to do is what diversify and say basically what I'm doing on a stock market is going to be less lucrative than what I do with a private company. So the idea, all these private equity investors, they rush into this space saying, if I buy private companies, I'll do better with that than the stock market. Of course, well, look, when that's, it's not necessarily the case. Well, it is. A, I mean, it is, it if, is, you, it is if you it. find the right firms. But I'm just focused on financial services and these private equity firms coming in and buying broker-dealers, buying RIAs, investing in taking 30% ownership in a large RIA, and then using that money to go acquire more RIAs because they think that they're going to make all this money on it. And again, it might be the case for a while, but my biggest message is you have to be careful what you wish for. Make sure you understand the partners that you're getting in bed with. Make sure that they truly have a long-term time horizon for the money, that they're not looking to flip it, because we're going to come into a market, in my personal opinion, where advisor growth is going to slow down a little bit more and the returns that they think that they're going to get on their money aren't going to be there. And when they start to recognize that they're not there, they're going to put pressure on you. It's the pressure that I'm worried about. That kind of pressure changes culture at firms. It just does because shit rolls downhill. And these private equity investors don't understand financial services. They don't understand the nuances. They don't understand it takes time when you hire a $2 million producer, how long it takes for you to make money on that person. They're like short-sighted. They're like children sometimes, where their attention span is really short. And so that's my biggest thing. I've seen a lot of it. I wanted to just get that out today. Again, as a point that you should be looking at that you should be aware of that. If you're going down that road and you're talking to firms or an investor, it doesn't have to be a private equity firm, right? It could be just an investor that wants to give you $500,000 or a million dollars to help you start your firm. You really have to look at what are they getting out of it? Do they really understand the ups and downs of the business and what that's going to mean in certain times where they're maybe not getting 8 or 9 or 10% rate of return? Maybe you're going to have a loss that year. Maybe it's only going to be 3%. And are they going to pressure you to do things that are outside of what you normally do to be successful? With bigger firms, it's a change in culture. It's all of a sudden, well, let's put a fee in. Let's put a $25 account fee in. Or let's tweak the compensation. Let's add an affiliation fee for the financial advisor of $350. Because $350 times 1,000 producers or 2,000 producers, all of a sudden they start doing all this math because Again, private equity firms and private equity investors don't understand that to them it's only 350 bucks. But to an advisor that's producing $500,000, it's a principal thing. It's a change. And that's, I just see, I have these conversations with the firms and people in senior leadership roles. And I can feel as they talk to me about some of their changes, I can sense and feel where that message is coming from. 
and it's coming from the private equity firms and the board, which consists of two or three private equity members. Right? So there's a 10 person board, but two or three of those board members are private equity investors. So they're putting pressure on the rest of the board to change policies, to change direction so that they can get their money back. And I just think it's a huge ticking time bomb. And I can see down the road here, I won't call it fire sales. We were talking about it yesterday, like garage sales, where all of a sudden these private equity firms see interest rates eventually start to tick up. I think, you know, interest rates just lowered, but over the next three or four years, interest rates starting to tick up, markets starting to slow down, advisor growth starting to slow down, and they just want their money back. Because right. now all of a sudden they're seeing other opportunities where they can invest. They want their money back. And I think we're going to see some firms come onto the marketplace for sale. Look, I guess there was I guess one good or bad, this business is correlated with the market. Literally. Of course it is. My thing is I just think that there's going to be a little bit of a garage sale down the road. There's going to be some firms that had some private equity backing that may come up on the market. Actually, I think there was a rumor that was it Focus? There was a rumor a couple of weeks ago that I think it was Focus. It might have been that some of the private equity investors that were behind Focus are looking to sell their share again. Well, there's no coincidence that there's a lot of private equity rumors and activity going on right yeah, now. Right. Where is that coming from? Yeah, it's good. Well, yeah, it's coming from you're you're private looking at people. the leverage changes, the multiples start to change, and when the market starts to go in this direction, you might have to have people who haven't been in it that long as a private equity firm make quick decisions. Right. Which no, is what you don't the, what you don't want. Right. That's the garage sale theory. I wouldn't call it a fire sale, but I would call it a garage sale. So anyway, look, I think that's the message I wanted to get across today. I wanted to do it before I left because I need to get it out. I sense this coming down the road. Not that I say that I'm right all the time, but I'm usually right. And so I feel it coming. And so if you're a firm out there with private equity, be careful. If you're somebody really more importantly thinking about taking on private equity to grow your business, whether you're, again, a billion-dollar practice or you're a broker-dealer that you're trying to compete with everybody else, right? Stay in your lane. Just stay in your lane. And if you have to go get private equities, that's the only way you think you're going to be able to compete. In this marketplace, I would maybe say stay away from it. Just don't – you don't need to grow as fast as you think you need to grow. So. Or do a ton of diligence because it's oh, probably yeah. fewer than not do quality it, Do a firms. ton of diligence. Make sure you have the right deal terms. Again, I'm not in private equity, so I'm not about to give people advice on how to structure your private equity deals. But, but it's a partnership. Um, Whoever you're going right. to do that deal with, you got to be on the same page and, exactly. and comfortable with them. Exactly. So thanks a lot for the conversation. We appreciate you joining us. Share it. Like it on iTunes and Spotify and all those great places. We are crushing our downloads. So we really appreciate that. The responses that we're getting are unbelievable. Thank you very much for that. If you have any questions or ideas and thoughts on episodes and topics, you can DM me at franklarosa.elite or you can email me at frank at Elite Consulting Partners. Same thing with Dale at Elite Consulting Partners. And if you want to, if you're interested in making a move, you're looking to transition to another firm, give us a call. Of course, call Dale first, 856-316-4653 or give me a call, 4651. We'll talk to you soon and see you on the other side. Great talk. Thanks for listening to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. If you're looking for more advice or solutions on any topics in the financial services industry, or you just want to subscribe to our podcast, head on over to EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcasts.